G'day friends, welcome back. Before I begin, my dog Obi is asleep in this room that I'm in. He's asleep on the couch and his face is mushed up like a bunch of mashed potatoes. Now he is snoring. You might hear him, you might not. I don't know how loud it's going to come out once I do a bit of uh, editing. If you do hear him, that's all it is. You can kind of hear it there, don't know. Um, but I just thought I would let you know about that before I start speaking and you hear these strange grunting sounds in the background. Okay, June or, or, or Dune, depending on who you are and whether or not you know how to talk properly, says me who actually doesn't know which one is the correct pronunciation. June is the newest major motion picture from Denis Villeneuve. Another word I don't know how to say properly. Um, it is the latest adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction novel. Um, much anticipated this film. Uh, it is, spoiler warning, it is only the first half of the adaptation. This film is part one of two. There is more to come. And that is part of the reason why it suffers a little bit. It, I, I'm a fan of it overall, uh, but it does have some issues, which I'm going to get into. So let's get into it. Yep. Okay, before I get into the movie, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, it has been, uh, it's been two weeks, actually, since I've uploaded a podcast. I've been taking a little bit of a break, um, just because, just because I felt like it, to be honest. Um, and come January, I'm going to be very busy with podcasts. There's going to be a Boba Fett every week, and there's going to be the AFLW every week plus whatever else I feel like doing. So there's going to be a minimum of two episodes a week. Um, so I'm just I'm just taking it easy in December. You know, December's silly season. Everyone's got enough going on as it is. So I didn't feel like I needed to pile on to my schedule with, you know, trying to maintain how many episodes I'd been doing. Um, so I took a couple of weeks off, but it's going to be basically back to normal now. So roughly two a week, um, usually one early in the week, and then one sort of towards the end of the working week, Thursday, Friday, that's usually what I try to stick to. Doesn't always happen. Um, but yeah, if, if you're wondering where I'd been for a couple of weeks, I'd been being lazy is what I'd been. Okay, June. Oh, okay. This is a good movie. It's a good movie. I'm not going to say it's not. It's, it's beautiful to look at and 
it sounds beautiful. Before I get into the cast and the story and all of the whatevers, Hans Zimmer has... He can't really go wrong at this point. He's so good now. He he picks his movies very well. He's got all of the talent imaginable when it comes to scoring films. This this score that he's put together for this movie is immediately in the top five that he's ever done. It is so good. It fits the world and the universe that we're in so brilliantly. It's... I'm so impressed continually by what he produces. Like, this is definitely top five. I don't know what I would say his top five are, but, you know, you're talking Lion King, you're talking Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, probably Gladiator, you know, Interstellar, Inception, that sort of... That's This is where we're at with... the. This is the calibre of score that he's put together. It's one of his best. It is so amazing. Um, lots of great vocals, lots of very, very otherworldly sounds that he's able to capture. It is sublime what he's done. Um, I'm not going to go on and on about that because I could do a whole podcast about just the score. And I might do a podcast in the near future just about, you know, what his best works in cinema are. That might be a bit of fun. Anyway, so let's talk. So the cast for this film... And before I get into the story and, you know, all, all the all the other stuff, let's just... The cast that has been assembled, this is just for part one, by the way. And big spoiler warning, like two-thirds of these characters die in this movie, right? Or, or disappear. Um, so you've got Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Josh Brolin... Charlotte Rampling, David Dash, um, Polka Dot Man, in other words, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Sharon Duncan Brewster, and Chang Chen. That is about as solid as a cast as you can possibly get. And everyone is really, really good in this movie. They've all, you know, Timothy Chalamet is your main character. He's, you know, he's like an angsty teen. His parents, you know, well, his dad is a very important man, works really hard. His mum's like a witch or something. Uh, so, you know, he, he's got a bit going on. I loved Oscar Isaac. He's a good dad, but he's also, you know, works really hard. Jason Momoa's in there for a bit of laughs and he kills people really well. Stellan Skarsgård looks like a, a blobfish. I really liked him. Uh, Dave Bautista just sort of stands around with his mouth hanging open, but he's also very good. Josh Brolin also gets a bit of laughs in there, uh, but he's also a bit of a fighter. He gets to you know kill some people. Charlotte Rampling is fucking terrifying as as this Bene Gesserit queen witch lady. Oh, there's. If you've seen the movie, which you should have, because I said spoiler warning, um, there's the scene with his hand in the box and the voice, Jedi mind trick thing, which is so eerie, but so interesting at the same time. It couldn't take I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was so cool and creepy at the same time. She was great. The whole cast is absolutely excellent. 
Um, if, if you are listening to this despite the spoiler warning and you don't know what any of this is that I'm talking about, let's talk about the story briefly. The story that we get in this um, film, so part one of two. I'll let you know as well, I have not read the book or, or books um, of Dune. Fuck, which is it? Dune or Dune? Because you start saying June, you're getting into like the month of June, you know? So I kind of I catch myself saying Dune a lot. I think it's sort of in between. Anyway, I haven't read the books. So if you have and you catch me saying something naive or incorrect, I don't care. Um, so this, this story, you've got... Um, you've got... Well, it's it's 10,000 years in the future or something, or, or it's the year 10,000, but that's not actually 8,000 years from now. It's 10,000 years from something else that happens in our future. So it's actually, for, I don't know, this is bits that I've pieced together from a bit of information from the books, plus it's in the movie. It's a long way in the future. And all that's left of the civilization that we recognize is a set of bagpipes, apparently. Um, but yeah, it's set a long way in the future. They're in outer space. There's really two main planets that we're dealing with. Caledon, um, where uh, House Atreides are situated. This is Timothy Chalamet, his dad, Oscar Isaac, and his mum, Rebecca Ferguson. Um, they, they are a very powerful house, very capable uh, in terms of like warfare and combat, very capable in terms of the technology they have, very advanced. Um, their planet is beautiful. It's very green, mountainous, lots of water. It's very lush. It looks like a paradise, right? And then the other main planet is Arrakis, which is a which is a, just a shithole. No one wants to live there. You can't go out in the middle of the day because it's so fucking hot and the whole place is made of sand. Sounds beautiful, right? Um, and the this mysterious emperor figure who we don't, who we don't see in this film, we might see in the second film, don't know. Um, he, he sort of runs everything. He deems or he commands that House Atreides, Timothy Chalamet's group, uh, are to go to Arrakis to be the new sort of, um, a sort of, they just sort of run the planet basically because Arrakis is the galaxy's only source of what is called spice. Um, it's basically this sort of sparkly stuff that's in all of the sand that does a couple of things. It makes you really high and it powers their space travel. So it's extremely valuable, right? So Arrakis has to be controlled and monitored by someone to, you know, farm the spice, to ship it out, to make sure that the galaxy is running smoothly. Um, there are people who live on Arrakis called the Furman who don't love this a whole lot. And there's also giant sandworms who don't love anyone a whole lot. They just like to eat people's cars and stuff. Um, House Atreides, like I said, are sent to, to run things on Arrakis. They're a little bit suspicious about this um, because the, the, the group that was previously there, House Harkonnen or Harkonnen, I forget what they're called, um, this is Dave Batista's group, Stellan Star, Stellan Scars, oh, oh, oh. Stellan Scars Guards group. This is them. They were there 
they got kicked off. Maybe they weren't doing a good job. Um, and now Oscar Isaac and stuff are there doing it instead. Um, but it turns out it's a trap. The Emperor wanted them gone. So he sent Dave Batista and stuff back to Arrakis to kill Oscar Isaac and all these people. And they do a very good job. They basically wipe them out. Everybody dies except for Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson. And they go out into the desert and they make friends with the the the, the Furman. I've already I just said it a second ago. I've already forgotten the Furman, which is Javier Bardem and Zendaya. Um, Timothy Chalamet had been having dreams about Zendaya because he's Jesus or something because he's the daughter of Rebecca Ferguson, who's a witch, and she's from this long line of witches, the Bene Gesserit. He's kind of like a witch. He has their Jedi mind trick power. There's a whole lot going on. It's a really, really dense book. And he did a pretty good job, Denis, um, of bringing it to the big screen. Because I have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. And there's a lot of shit going on. So I think he did a really, really good job. The movie is very entertaining for the first 66% of it. The first two acts, and then it fucking stops completely. The issue that he had with doing two parts, it was the correct decision. From what I know about the book, it's very dense. There's a lot of stuff to flesh out. Breaking this up into two movies, it seems like it was the way to go. But I don't think he knew, or, you know, the writers, whoever, um, I don't think they knew when to stop this movie. Because the end of the second act is when Dave Bautista and stuff come back to Arrakis. They fuck everybody up. Um, everything that House Atreides had built and was get, starting to get going with the farming of the spice and all of this, um, befriending the locals, all this stuff, it was completely wiped out. They wrecked everything. right? So the Emperor has some beef with House Atreides. I don't know what that is. It, I'm imagining that it's uh, fleshed out in the books, but it's, it wasn't shown in the film as far as I'm aware. Uh, but yeah, that happens. And then the, the movie still has, I don't know, it feels like another 40 minutes to go or more. It might be close to an hour. It just stops completely and becomes a big drag. I, I totally lost interest and I was quite eager for it to end, which is such a shame it's such a shame because up until that point, it is interesting, it's entertaining. Um, on like if if you don't spend too much time trying to understand all the different houses and the different planets and the politics and how the spice works and how this voice thing works, and and you sort of like that's what I went through. Like I was watching it. I'm sort of you know. A, taking some of it in, but I'm just sort of trying to enjoy the movie as it's happening, not thinking too much about it, because I figure I can go and do a bit more research about all this sort of canon stuff later if I want, and that's what I did, um, and I think I'm better for it. I think once we have part two, if we ever get part two, um, which is something I'll, I'll touch on later, um, if we ever get part two, watching them in tandem, so watching one after another, um, will be quite rewarding, I think, because there's going to be, a, like, the, the gaps that were left out of this, I imagine, will be filled in a bit in part two. 
and perhaps vice versa. You know, having five hours of, you know, screen time to capture the the universe rather than, you know, two and a half or three, uh, I think is going to be very beneficial for telling the story overall. Um, That being said, you know, this movie's over two and a half hours long and I could tell immediately that there was stuff being left out. The movie doesn't really suffer. You can survive not getting all the information. Um, There's a little bit of exposition. There isn't very much um, given the source material. I think they did really good. uh, They did a really good job limiting the exposition. Um, But, you know, maybe a little bit more might have helped. But it, it certainly wasn't necessary to give us heaps of information about, you know, the Baron and about the Emperor, and about, you know, how the spice actually works. Not necessary, right? There's there's a bit about... There's, they go over a bit too much about how these suits work, the ones that they have to wear on Arrakis, that recycle your sweat and your piss into water so you can drink it. Yummy! Um, they spend a lot of time talking about that, actually. Um, and then there's a little... There's a big exposition dump... With uh, in the form of a Zendaya voiceover right at the very beginning, which I'm totally fine with. It says what the deal is with Arrakis, who everyone is, what's going on there, and it's it's as brief as it could have been, and I don't have an issue with it at all. It's a great jumping-off point because you, you hit the ground running exactly where you're supposed to be. You're not behind the story. You're not ahead of the story. You're, you're, you have all the information that you need to, to get going, which I'm a big fan of, you know, like you're never going to get a movie these days, do what they did at the start of Lord of the Rings. So start of Lord of the Rings, you've got Kate Blanchett talking for like 10 minutes straight and giving lots and lots and lots of exposition about Middle Earth and the ring and Sauron and everything that's happened and goes on and on. It's very entertaining because it's got the cinematic stuff to go along with it, the battles in Mordor and Gollum and all of that. It works, but you'll never see that happening now, or you might see it happening now, but it'll be in a shit movie. Right? There's lots of shit movies that have so much exposition because it's easier for a writer to just tell us rather than show us. You'll hear this expression a lot when it comes to film, show, don't tell. And... I think Dune does that pretty well. It tells us just enough so that we don't start the movie confused. You don't want that because then you're going to lose your audience immediately. It gives us just enough to start the movie understanding just enough. And then it does plenty of showing. Um, there is this thing called the voice and... It is where George Lucas pinched the idea for the Jedi mind trick. He pinched a lot of things from Dune. Um, Basically what it is, these people who have the ability can command people using this special voice to do whatever they want. Um, The way it was edited in the movie, I loved. Um, It happens a couple of times and the way that it's shot and edited is very, very clever. And I'm, I'm a big fan of how it was done. Uh, I like the idea of it as a whole. Um, the scene I mentioned before with Charlotte Rampling, um, she's like the you know the the top of this you know 
sorcery or I don't know what the what the hell Bene Gesserit is what it's called they're this group who have this ability right they're basically witches she's the boss and she's going to determine whether Timothy Chalamet has got the stuff to continue it right because the idea of it I believe is that it needs to be passed down from mother to daughter because she says to Rebecca Ferguson you were supposed to have a daughter but you chose not to I guess they can choose the gender of their offspring when they're pregnant. I don't know. Um, But yeah, she goes to see Timothy Chalamet just to see, oh, you know, do you have the stuff? Are you worthy of having this ability? And she puts his hand in this little concrete box and you can't see inside the box. And she puts this needle to his neck. She holds it there. She says, if you take your hand out of the box, I'm going to kill you. And then the box does something to his hand because it is hurting him quite a lot. He's, he's like wincing in severe pain. And I don't know what this is testing. It's testing his resolve. His, his, it's testing his pain tolerance, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it, 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 the way he's portrayed and written, he's, he's, very much going to be deified i think by the end of the story he's having these visions about the future in his dreams which come true he's got these powers he's he's gone off into the desert to become the hero later on there's all this stuff going on with him there's a lot of stuff they left out about him that i imagine will be explained in part two which i liked because he's the lead character and he's a very complex lead character there's a lot of backstory with him. There's more stuff about his abilities, like how he's sort of seeing into the future, kind of, or he's just having these coincidental visions. Um, he he knows how to do things he shouldn't know how to do. Like when he goes to Arrakis and he puts on the water recycling suit, he puts it on in some sort of, you know, very unique and uh, local manner that only the locals know how to do or some shit. And there's no way in, in the world he could have known how to do that. Um, and then the local lady's like, oh, I'm very impressed. How did you know how to do that? You know, he's got, he's a very mysterious character, which I like a lot. I really, really, I couldn't in a million years tell you the character's name. <laughs> I've forgotten it. Um, but this is Timothy Chalamet's character I'm talking about. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed not knowing everything about him. I'll look forward to learning more. That's for sure. Um, I enjoyed all of House Harkonnen. This is Dave Bautista and Stellan Skarsgård. Um, Skarsgård plays the Baron, who's this enormous, grotesque, rotund man um, who has these little levitation things apparently squeezed into his fat rolls that allow him to fly around the room or float around the room at least he's he's the the leader i guess of house harkonnen the ones who attack arrakis in the second act of the film i like them a lot they're very cool i like them as the sort of antagonists i don't know if they continue to be in part two i have no idea um but i like the look of them a lot they uh blackmail the 
the family doctor of House Atreides uh, by capturing his wife. Um, and they use him as sort of a Trojan horse to, you know, do some damage from the inside before they arrive. Interesting thing that I was thinking about, there is a scene uh, with Stellan Skarsgård and a couple of other characters, but there's this creature in the room. It's this big spider creature. It's like the size of a man. It's an enormous spider with like human hands on the end of its legs. It's a very unsettling creature. And apparently this creature is not from the books. And I had a thought, because they wouldn't put that in there just for the fun of it, just to be creepy, right? Denis Villeneuve is a better director than that. Not saying that would be bad directing, but he's he's nothing was without purpose with him most of the time. I wonder if that creature, and if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think that creature is the doctor's wife because he does what they ask and then they don't let him see his wife. He's like, now will you let my wife go? And the Baron goes, I never said I would let her, or something like that. And, you know, I think that's her. I think they fucked around with her and they've turned her into some sort of monster and that's her in the room drinking out of that dog bowl, whatever it is, whatever it is doing. I think that's, I, I, that's an interesting idea if true i wonder if we'll find out in part two um i think i mentioned how amazing the music is the the cinematography and the visual effects this thing is going to win academy awards in one of those categories it it is it looks un-fucking believable it is stunning to look at there, is, there are shots that are 100% CGI that look beautiful. They look perfect. Some of the shots on Arrakis, when you've just got barren, awful, hot sand, look beautiful. And then there are shots on Caledon, which is lush and green and mountainous, that also look absolutely beautiful. There are some visual, effect, visual, effects, fui, visual effects that are groundbreaking. Uh, on Arrakis, they use these helicopter things, which look very much like dragonflies to fly around. The effect of the flutter on the wings, the motion blur with that looks amazing. Um, there are these these sort of overshields that the characters wear for combat. Um, I forget what they're called, uh, but they have them and some of their ships have them as well. And there's this very, very, very cool shot when Arrakis is being attacked, there there's this air raid and this bomb gets dropped onto a ship. It, the way the shields work, if you go through them slowly, you can penetrate them. It's if you try to strike them fast that they will stop you. So there's this air raid. This bomb gets dropped on the ship. The bomb slows down to pass through the shield. It blows up the ship, but it blows up the ship inside of the shield before the shield sort of gets turned off because the ship isn't the ship is no more and then the explosion you know expands beyond the shield but there's a brief moment where the entire explosion is encased in the shield of the ship and it looks absolutely amazing the, the, oh i'm so impressed with how this movie looked it if it didn't look so good if it didn't have the brilliance of Hans Zimmer, yet you almost don't have a good movie here. 
Like, I think Villeneuve's done very well capturing the story. I know everything I need to know. I would like to know more. Maybe I'll read the book one day. Um, but for the for a movie, I know everything I need to know. They were never going to make this into Lord of the Rings. They weren't going to make it into nine hours of, of deep, deep... Ex- oh, now you can hear him snoring. If I shut up, you might be able to hear him. Oh, I don't know if the mic's picking that up, but I can bloody hear it. I tell you what. Um... Yeah, they weren't ever going to make this into Lord of the Rings level of depth. First of all, Lord of the Rings has got a lot more source material. It's a, it's more stuff to draw on. Um, but Dune is effectively the sci-fi equivalent of Lord of the Rings. Very, very dense material to draw on. So the fact that I understand or seem to understand... <laughs> all of what I believe are the key elements. Um, I think they've done really, really well. Like I said, though, it is such a shame that in the last act of the film, it just grinds to a halt. I think they could have... I mean, there's some stuff with Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson in that third act, because it is basically the two of them on the run running away from sandworms and running away from whatever. Um, but they could have really cut that down and probably put it at the beginning of part two, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the only real issue that I've got with this movie is that it's just the pacing was off a bit. Everything else I think is really solid. I'm not completely in love with it. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I think... Apart from that pacing issue, it's as good as it could have been. I really think so. You've got a great cast. The, the acting's all really good. They, they seem to have... I mean, if you've read the book and you're like, they didn't capture it at all. This is bullshit. They left out really important stuff. You don't know what you're talking about. I apologize. But I think it's, it's almost a good thing that I haven't read the book. Because I wonder if you had read the book and you love the book, and you see this movie and there is stuff missing. You go, oh, I'm, I'm so let down. They didn't capture the way that I imagined this story. You know, that happens all the time. Because, oh, the movie's not as good as the book. It's, of course, it's not going to be as good as the fucking book. Books have tens of thousands of words to, to create a perfectly crafted image in your mind. And, you know, often books have no deadlines. Authors will take as long as they want to perfect a piece of writing. Movies have time crunches. They have, you know, um, they have budgets and they can't be 15 hours long. So, yeah, like I was saying, for, for them to give me all the information I feel like I need, big pat on the back for sure. And, yeah, if if you have read the book and you weren't satisfied... That's okay. I I would wait to see what happens with part two before you pass judgment, because I think it's going to be a complete story just told in two parts. Um, I said before, if we get part two, the way that Hollywood is now, if this movie doesn't do well, we're never going to see part two. That is a guarantee. I don't know what 
the budget for this was. I imagine it was quite a bit. Um, yeah, if it doesn't do very well, like I'm talking, I'm guessing this is probably a 200 two to three hundred million dollar movie i'm guessing um if it doesn't do oh, probably five or six or seven hundred thousand uh, seven hundred thousand seven hundred million dollars you think it would do that you think it would i don't know i don't know what the american cinema going community is like at the moment with covid sort of coming to an end with vaccinations, but also sort of not because there's still heaps of cases. Um, I don't know what it's like in America. I don't know how the movie is doing box office wise. Let's have a look. Let me just, hang on. Let me just pause recording for a sec. Just wait. Okay. So I was way off, which I'm honestly surprised by. The, the way this movie looks uh, and, the, and the cast I thought it would have cost a lot more than it did. It only cost, I think, $168 million to make. That's I thought it would be a good ways north of $200 million. Not the case, right? So not as expensive as I thought. And I was also way off with how many people are going to the pictures now. It is The, the film industry is struggling. So it's been out in America... Uh, since I think about September, it's only just come out in Australia like a week and a half ago. Um, we're, we're in almost mid December now. So the rest, like the big markets like America have got almost three months on Australia. Um, but it's, it's only made, this is worldwide. It's made $383 million, um, which I know it sounds like more than double of what it costs to make, but a movie like this, the break-even is going to be good ways north of that. So judging by this, I'm now, I'm going to say probably between four and $500 million would be what it needs to make for, you know, the execs at, I think it was Paramount, um, to be satisfied. So it might get there. Um, I don't know what the Chinese market is like. There's a lot of money to be made there. But again, I don't know when it was released there and what it was competing with. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be super interesting to see if we get part two. I think we will. Um, but then again, they could very easily go. Part one was not a success. Sorry, we're, we're not. You're not allowed to do part two. This is over. Um I don't know that that like I th I think that part two is meant to be coming out twenty twenty three. This is two years from now. Um, if that's the case, they've probably already started working on it. As in, start they would have started writing it. Um, they've probably started casting. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say if if it's already been out in America since September. It's probably, in fact, not probably, it will have finished its run there. Um, so we're, we're looking at digital and Blu-ray releases now. How much money can it make there? Um, what money is it going to make in places like Australia where it was a late release? Um, what sort of life is it like? Because you've got James Bond that's just come out. Um, you've got Spider-Man that's about to come out. That's going to suck all the money away from every other movie at the movies. Um yeah, it's a very interesting time 
for cinema for sure. This COVID era that we're still in. Um, but yeah, look, overall, it's really solid. I enjoyed it. I recommend checking it out if you haven't. If you haven't checked it out, you shouldn't have listened to this. You're in big trouble. You're on Santa's naughty list. Check it out for the score. <laughs> Excuse me. For the score alone, it is magnificent what he's done, Hans Zimmer, with this. Absolutely captured. Like, this is, you know, this is a universe I'm not at all familiar with. Like I said, haven't read the books. But I... I understood it more because of the music. I don't know, he just captured something. That's what he does, he captures the feel of a place, of an idea. Like, think about what he did for Lion King, right? This is an animated telling of the story of Macbeth through the point of view of Pride of Lions, basically. And he captures Africa in the score, right? He, with, the, with the singing and just the all of it. He captures it with such taste and beauty and epicness. And he does the same thing here. This place that doesn't exist, these places that don't exist, these people that don't exist, he captures it. It's He is the best film composer that there is, maybe ever. I think he's now getting to the point where he's the best ever. He is... A genius, Hans Zimmer, is all I'll say. If, you, if you're not at all interested in the story, just go shut your eyes and have a listen to this movie. It's amazing. Um, that'll do for this one, guys. Um, like I said, I'm going to start sort of ramping up in the episode frequency again after a couple of weeks off. Um, get excited for The Book of Boba Fett, which is only... A uh, little under three weeks away now. Very exciting. Um, obviously, like I said, women's football coming back. I'll be doing a lot of stuff on that. I'm going to go see Spider-Man next weekend. Um, I think a week, a week from today. Are we go- or a week from yesterday. Are we going to see it? Um, so I'll be doing a review of that. Um, so lots of stuff to look forward to. Thanks heaps for listening. Uh, wherever you are in the world... Uh, I hope your festive season is going well. hope your Christmas shopping is going well. I hope that COVID is becoming less and less of an issue for you wherever you are. Um, And I thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye.